Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hey, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Uh, today I'm talking to you, Stephen King. He's with a company called Rex MLS, R-E-X-M-L-S.com. We're going to talk about the intersection of real estate and the blockchain. Steve, how are you doing? I'm great, Richard. How are you today? Good, good. Thanks for coming. Um, yeah, so if you would, let, let listeners know, um, you know, so let listeners know what, what are you doing in the real estate world and how does blockchain technology come into play? Yeah, so... I uh I've been around real estate my entire life. Um my dad is an architect and an engineer turned developer. So I've been on construction sites since I was about 5 years old. And I learned from a very early age that the uh the real estate business or the real estate transaction is a uh, a complicated beast. So as I got older, um I thought a lot about how computers could make that process more efficient, uh, more so as it applies to design approvals and entitlements. So fast forward to uh, 2012, and uh, I joined my my dad's firm. It was a a small firm. And uh, the first thing I realized was we were paying about $10,000 a year for real estate data. So I decided to create an application that would scrape the internet for specific terms and dump it into a database that we built. And I learned pretty quickly that the data that we wanted to pull, uh, you can't do that. It violates a lot of end user licensing agreements. So I shut that down. And um, around that time, I came across Vitalik Buterin's white paper, which was all about um, Ethereum. And that's predicated Mm -hmm. on blockchain technology. So I, as I was going through that, I connected with my co-founder, Russell McLernan, who lives in Sydney, and um, he's a he's a brilliant engineer. He's been in the blockchain uh, industry since 2009, worked on several startups, and uh, him and I got to talking. He was looking more so in the residential industry, and I was looking at the commercial, and we got together, and um, the idea for Rex was born. What's the idea behind Rex? What kind of data were you originally trying to scrape, and what does Rex do? So the idea for Rex, it was initiated because Russ and I had similar pain points in terms of access to the data, access to real estate investment, and the overall complexity of the transaction. So our our mission became to create a multi-layered protocol that would connect real estate vendors buyers and sellers worldwide while giving them the ability to later transact. And there's a couple of reasons we decided to start with the data. Um, The first is it's the most logical place to start. So it's where essentially the real estate transaction begins. Um, And the second was because of logistical purposes. Uh, All these firms around the world that participate in these multiple listing services they want to transact with one another. 
However, they're not able to do so because these multiple listing services are regionalized and these databases don't communicate with each other. And then the last reason was uh, technical. Um, Ethereum is a new technology and we believe it's gonna take time to evolve. So we wanted to start with something like data rather than put a multi-million dollar asset you know, on the blockchain and have things go awry. So um, after uh, deciding that we were gonna start with data, we moved on to, or what we thought about was uh, onboarding, how we're gonna get people onto this platform. And we identified two specific types of users that would use something like Rex. There's the individual, which was either the broker or uh, could be the buyer or the seller. And then there's the firms. And the pain points for both of these two parties are different. For the individual, uh, the first is cost. And this is a big one because on the current multiple listing services, and this is true throughout the world, to list a property can cost anywhere from $35 per listing to $1,000 per listing. Um, and the, the second pain point for those guys is access. And I, and I sort of went into this a little earlier, but uh, multiple listing services, especially in the United States, are regionalized, and these uh, databases are not communicating with each other. Um, and then the last is just the overall ownership of the data. So you've got a lot of third-party advertising on current multiple listing services. So if, if I go and I list, you know, one, two, three, Apple Street, I've got my name and my contact information, but there could be three other brokers that are paying for that specific geographic location uh, to ad advertise on that page as well. So all of a sudden, I've got a 25% a chance of hitting my own lead, which is, you know, it's it's no no good. Um, and then so for the firm, it's a little little bit more straightforward. It's just the communication, and uh, and they're actually quite interested in the transaction component. So for Rex uh, and the individual, we solved the cost, we solved the access, and we solved the advertising problem by giving the uh, user ownership of their information. And for firms. We unify them globally, and uh, we offer a transaction layer in our second phase of the project. You keep mentioning the um, the data. What is what data points specifically have you found that are most useful to brokers and businesses, and which ones are superfluous? And does traditional MLS have them all? Do you have any new data points? Or are they all the same, just in a you know in a different container? Uh, it's real estate's pretty pretty straightforward. I mean, you want to know basically who's listing what, what the price of the property is, you know, how big it is, what what part of the country, what part of the world, what the taxes are. It's it's very general the type of information that you want to go after. Um, however, it's it's very restricted. So if I want to go and I want to create like a custom analytics or custom market reports, I can't go and hook into uh, one of these multiple listing services database. They, they don't allow you to do that. So with Rex, we, we call it a multiple listing service and we call it that because people, you can't really associate it with, with anything else. We, we want to put, we want to make a visual for people to realize what we're building. So we're actually building the protocol itself. And the protocol is this database where everybody puts in information, but everybody knows who's putting in what, and they can also pull it out of this database. 
and like I said, create custom analytics or, or do what they want with it. And there's no, there's, no, um, there's no real fees or there's no penalties for doing that. So that's sort of the goal of this initial protocol. We're putting a face on top of it, so you can think of it as a multiple listing service, um, because people have to interact with this back end. However, it's not going to, we, we would like to be the go-to interface, but we don't have to be the go-to interface. Somebody else could come along and plug into this database and create their own local uh, multiple listing service. And so we really, we really want to be, in a real estate transaction, we really want to be the first technical layer to every real estate transaction. And we're building the data layer and the infrastructure to handle transactions. So we're putting, like I said, we're putting the UI on these protocols, but, and our goal, like I said, is for our UI to win, but we want other applications to also build on top of these protocols that we're implementing. So the ecosystem okay. overall gets more efficient. Yeah. So what kind of, um, what do you think would be most useful to users of your platform? What kind of queries could they run? You know, maybe give me a specific two, and then, you know, we'll talk about transactions right after that. So they can go and they can search anywhere in the world for free. Uh, it doesn't cost them anything. And they could search for, you know, let's say you want to buy an investment property in Shanghai that's within a okay. certain price range. You can implement that. It looks a lot, the interface looks exactly like Zillow, and it interacts a lot like Zillow. What, what is very different is what you can do with the back-end information that we're providing. And... You know, it, well, I think it will help if I walk you through how the the platform is going to operate. So, yeah, give me give me a couple of examples from specific perspectives. You know, even this doesn't be the whole thing, but you know, let's say I'm a broker or I'm a researcher. I mean, what what's literally one or two things I could do with your platform I can't do right now with MLS? That would be really yeah, so, useful to me. So the first thing is. Uh, you would go and you would sign up on Rex and you would be verified. So once you're verified, you can start contributing listings to the database. And every time you contribute a listing, you're paid in this Rex token. And let's say it's going to be 15 Rex per listing. So then you can take this Rex token and you can either use it for certain features on the platform. So instead of paying one of these other multiple listing services, thousands and thousands of dollars a month, you're paid for contributing to this platform. So you, you've you got skin in the game. And you can use those tokens to either uh, sponsor a specific market like New York City or Shanghai. You can use these tokens to create a broker profile, or you can uh, sell inspection reports that you have on a property. So electrical, plumbing, anything that you've had done. So by giving the ownership of their data, we're creating a real estate digital marketplace on top of this, you know, we'll call it multiple listing service. So users can right. sell market, market inspection reports to other users and they set the price. So if they want to say, okay, well, I've got, you know, I've got this uh, plumbing report or I've got this inspection report and other people are looking at my property and they want to see A, B, C, and D reports, I can charge them you know, five recs, or I set the price, and they keep that those recs tokens. So then they can go and use those recs tokens for other features on the platform, or they can go to an exchange and sell it for, you know, fiat currency. It's up, it's up to them. Um, and then the other thing that we're doing 
if you go, we're setting the price, we're capping the price uh, very low for all of these fees because our whole mission here is to create a platform that is it's accessible to everybody and it doesn't cost a lot of money. So we're going to offer, you know, you can go and sponsor a, a city like New York City and it, it'll cost, you know, five racks, which will be a dollar maybe. And then let's say as we scale New York City, uh, a big firm wants to come and they're, they want to buy that slot. You can sell that slot for 500 Rex and arbitrage the difference. So on top of this multiple listing service, you now all of a sudden you have all this this real estate data that's being exchanged between users for uh, cryptocurrency. Uh, traditional MLS systems, regular folks can't get into them. You know, they're they're only for uh, agents. What's Rex going to be like? Can it be anyone that can get on the platform? They only have a certain level of access, or is it? only licensed agents or brokerages? Like how's it going to work? Yeah, so everything that the traditional MLS does is, is antithetical to our mission. We're, anybody can use our platform. Anybody can upload listing information. The only, the only caveat I would say is that you can't upload somebody else's listing, and we have systems in place that, that track this, but basically we're implementing what's called proof of approval. So we actually we didn't plan for this um when we were building the initial product but we had all these people reach out to us from different parts of the world that said hey my brother's a real estate broker or hey you know uh my buddy's a real estate broker and they may not initially understand your platform but i'm you know i understand what you're trying to build so can i upload their information so we built this uh <clears throat> sort of minor uh system it's called proof of approval and it, all it is is that it's ver verifying that you can go and upload somebody else's information and you can collect those Rex tokens. So if you know somebody that's got you know, hundreds of listings, you can go and upload them on their behalf and collect, collect the Rex reward um, for doing that work. And people are, you know, one guy in Arizona is talking about making an ancillary uh, a business out of doing this, just going around to different firms and saying, hey, right. I'll, I'll upload your, your data to this, this, this international uh, database, and you'll get much more exposure in your listings, and um, and that's been well received. Can people upload uh, FISBOs, you know, for sale by owner, or do you have to be uh, an agent that lists the property? No, you can do for sale by owner, um, and like I said, you can do it on other people's behalf. It's it's wide open. That's pretty cool. Hmm. So right now you're paying people to list, but at some point, I don't know, maybe the the valve will reverse and people will pay two lists. Maybe once you get network effect, it will reverse. I don't know. Or do you intend to keep it this way where you're incentivizing people to list on your platform? Yeah. The, I mean, really, our goal in to scale this thing is, like I said, it's to pay people because there's 250 million of these tokens. That's the cap. And so as people contribute data to the system, they're going to receive these tokens. So like I said, they're they're a part of this system. It's, it's their system. Um, so they the we will collect things like you know like I said it costs like five racks to create a market sponsorship or to create a broker profile. We collect that through a smart contract, and what we're going to do is one of two things: we're either going to burn that currency to account for inflation so the price stays stable, or we're going to redistribute it into the listing rewards contract. Our our goal is not to if we did start to charge excessive fees like the multiple listing services do today, 
we've got this this built-in uh, competition. Uh, I don't know what you would call it, but basically, if we started doing that, somebody would just come along and they would hook right into the database and say, "Hey, here's uh, here's Rex two or or some other you know name for it, and charge less than what we're charging." Because the because the right. database is open and anybody can basically hook their fire hose into it. What um, you mentioned transactions, so I mean traditionally that involves like a HUD one settlement statement, title insurance, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. What elements of the transaction do you want to have happen on your platform? That you know everything, parts of it. What, what's your rollout look like? Yeah, so we're we're actually we're building the technology for the transaction to take place but we're going to implement the first use cases and we're going to start on a, a very simple level. Um, actually today in Arizona, uh, they just released, they passed, I think it was a, a bill that basically said the state of Arizona is going to start to recognize smart contracts and, um, and blockchain uh, contracts as uh, legal. Uh, I guess they're going to in court, I guess is how you could say it. Um, Oh, so if you record so, like you know the the deed to a house, you know, let's say it, you know, in a sale, the house gets transferred from Joe to to Bob. Theoretically, you record that in the blockchain, and if there's a challenge to it, the court will recognize the veracity of the the data on the blockchain. Precisely. So, so and uh, big step we'll, forward. We'll, yeah, yeah, it was exciting. I actually I just read it before we hopped on this uh, call. Uh, and I'll, I'll send I'll send you the link. Um, but but we're Thank starting you. out on a very basic basic level. Uh, we're going to start with uh, doing something like a lease. And so a lease is very straightforward. You've got the landlord that typically has to you know let's say it's a fifteen thousand square foot office deal. They've got to demo some of the space and they've got to put some money up for tenant improvement. Call it fifty thousand dollars. And then the uh, tenant has to put up a security and they've got to uh, maybe put up first month's rent. And so you can do all this with a very simple contract, both the tenant and the landlord, you know, do A and B, both sides agree that they've done that and the funds can be released to each party. And then uh, you've got a transaction that is uh, linked permanently on the blockchain. So it cuts down on administrative overhead and where we see it evolving to is, you know, attorneys and, and brokers are, their role is going to evolve. You know, attorneys are going to be negotiating these smart contracts. And the beautiful thing is that right now, communication gets very convoluted because you've got all these people trading emails and going back and forth. And that really puts a delay in the transaction itself. And so with these smart contracts, everybody can see what's changing in the contract and what when it's going to close so it makes it much more efficient and um and also it makes payments go through quicker so you know typically brokers have to chase down landlords uh to get paid now all of a sudden as soon as a b and c are done on both sides and each party has submitted their private key these funds are released automatically and uh and the brokers are compensated smart contracts are really cool but what happens if Someone's late, and you know there's a real valid reason. Some terrible thing happened, and you know the landlord says, you know, I want to let them, I want to give them some leeway, but the smart contract doesn't allow that. Or, you know, what if there's a dispute 
how is the um, the smart contract going to resolve this? You know, will it be frozen, and where will the money go? And you know, there's a whole like uh, malleability side to it that that seems to not be there yet with smart contracts. And maybe I'm wrong. No, you're 100% right. And there's going to be a lot of trial and error at first, and and this is why we think it's got to you know start on a very simple level, but that's why I said that the attorney's role is going to evolve. You can't write a real estate contract and have nothing change. I, I've never seen that happen. Maybe it, maybe it has happened, but things change all the time. So you've got to have this contract that's flexible and that can be changed. And you can put, you know, a bunch of contingencies in there, but you're going to have to have what we think will happen is that both parties' counsel will participate and amend the contract as things change or as things evolve. So if for whatever reason, you know, the buyer has something tragic happen and they didn't put up the deposit in time, you've got both attorneys communicating with each other. And then as long as they both agree on the change, you know, they insert their keys, they change the contract and it's amended and everybody in the transaction can see, and then it proceeds forward. Yeah. So, a smart contract that's on the blockchain, um, X number of parties will have the power to go in and change the details of that contract, even if it's if it's in route. You know, the contract's in the middle of being executed. Correct. Is that correct? Yeah. You 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 can okay. And that's going to be that's going to be a must. I mean, it's going to be like I said. There's no there's no real estate transaction that goes from A to B without something having to be changed. You just have to have you just have to have both parties agree to it. How are you going to make the uh, the interface? You know, attorneys are not programmers, so I would guess you have to choose the language, and you have to make modular elements that are commonplace in contracts, and make it so that an attorney can just click buttons or check boxes, and the contract gets programmed and made, and it's all modular because you know they're certainly not going to go there and like program stuff. So I would guess yeah. that would be part of your platform is building that up. So it's like very simple, right? Yeah, and it's sort of like what we're doing with the uh, the database, and that's why we call it a multiple listing service, right? Because the database right now, this global database that everybody can have access to and everybody can contribute to, doesn't exist. And that's the beautiful thing about you know Ethereum and blockchain technology in general is that you can create this decentralized database that levels the, the playing field and makes all of these parties that are involved in these transactions be able to communicate and transact much more efficiently. And the same goes true for the, um, for the transaction component. Uh, with the multiple listing service, we've got to put that face on top of it because it doesn't exist. Even though we're building, you know, we're, we're focused on the protocol, but we are putting the face on it and we'd like that to succeed, but we know that there'll be competitors. The same goes true for the, the transaction. Um, we're going to build the, we've already built most of the infrastructure and we're going to put a, a face on it. And we've actually got a great design team uh, that has done a superb job with the multiple listing service. And we'll do the same thing for the uh, transaction component is we'll make it, like you said, very intuitive. You'll check boxes. You'll be able to, and especially early on, you know, each party has to do A, B, C, and D, and it'll be, you'll be able to, It'll be somewhat malleable, but it'll be pretty straightforward at first, and then that process will evolve over time. Are you guys going to try to do all of this on your own in-house, 
I mean, it sounds like even the transaction component, again, involves title insurance right now, you know, checking uh, title records, uh, recording of deeds, um, money movements. I mean, you know, a lot of different stuff, settlement of taxes, all that, you know, that comes out on a HUD-1. Are you guys going to do it all, or are you working with other companies to bring in certain elements of it so you can get up to speed faster? Yeah, so we're not we're we're building the first layer for all of this, and we're promoting. We're talking to companies all over the place, especially that are jumping into this arena in the real estate industry. We've talked. We've spoken to title companies, uh, escrow companies, uh, mortgage companies, and <clears throat> the goal is to get them all to participate on top of this initial protocol that we're building and for them to build applications on top of Rex. We don't want to do everything, nor are we, you know, well-suited to do everything. We just want to do a couple of things and do them very well. And the first and foremost is doing the data and getting people comfortable with an interface that is using these cryptocurrencies and using some of these new features, but not scaring them away. And then as that happens, We'll we'll implement the 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 foundation or the protocol for the transaction component. Uh, but during both of these processes, we're talking to people in every industry that's involved in the real estate transaction, saying, "Hey, look, here's the here's the layer that we're building. Here's how your process can be more efficient. You know, let's let's take a look at how you can build an application on top of Rex, just like we're building on top of Ethereum." Right. Where you, so we're talking early April 2017. Where are you at right now? Is the Rex token live? Is it on exchanges? Do you have wallets for it? Where are you at with that side of it? Yeah, so we are in the final stages of integrating the front end with the back end. Um, we just finalized our, our design about a week ago. And uh, we'll go into the testing phase in early May. And we're talking to... Um, we're we're going for we're talking to several international firms that would join the the alpha release. Um, so we want to restrict that to about three. But we're going to do testing from May to July, and then in early July we're going to release the the alpha product for people to, you know, test on a on a broader level. And then we're going to do our token sale in mid July, which will help raise funds for the uh, additional phases. And then the full release will be in December of this year. And but the the tokens will start to be traded in July. Nice. Yeah. Well, this is great stuff you're working on. I mean, it's big time game changer. Um, are you going to divide the world between residential and commercial in Rex? You know, or will it just kind of be seamless and all together? Or you know, would there be yeah. uh, different areas where people, will, different types of people will will work. Yeah, we've uh so we've built the interface is the same, but we've we've separated it into residential and commercial. And we did that because residential and commercial are they're both real estate, but they're very they can be very different. So mm. you've got two different two different d- databases in a way and um but both of which will be open and accessible uh to the masses. What about leasing versus, you know, landlord versus tenant, that kind of thing, or buying and selling versus lease leasing arrangements? Is that going to be separated out as well? Yeah, we've got both of that as well, and they're both segmented into uh, commercial leasing and also residential leasing. 
So you can do both. You can do them in both industries, but they're they're separated by commercial and residential. That's great. Okay. Well, I think it's a fantastic idea. Um, <clears throat> I know you got a lot of work ahead of you, but it's going to make a huge impact when it gets there. So, uh, anything else that you wanted to cover that we haven't talked about? You know, we're we're really excited. We uh, we've had a lot of enthusiasm from the crypto community, which has been great. Uh, but recently, we've had a, a big outreach from the real estate community, and that's been fantastic too. Because the real estate industry, it's funny, they're the last industry to adopt new technologies. I mean, when I started to uh, work with my dad in 2012, he was still using a, a Gateway Essential 500 with a Celeron processor. I mean, it's just those guys get set in their in their technology and they don't move forward. And it's been completely opposite. Uh, everybody's jumping on board. Everyone sees the potential and uh, they've been supportive and a lot of people want to build applications on top of this. So we're, you know, we're excited to see this, this shift in the real estate industry. Um, so it should be exciting. Well, very good. Uh, what's the best way for people uh, to start interacting with, with your service and finding out more about it? So rexmls.com, and uh, that's got our white paper. It's got our Slack, and um, you know if you want to if you want to contact me, my email is Stephen at rexmls.com. Okay. Well, Steve, thanks so much for taking the time. This has been great. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks a lot, Richard. You have been listening to Almost Here Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.